Hey, by the way, if you'd like to get on our mailing list, I'm going to pass this around. There's no pressure. You want it? Great. Um, if you sign up via the email, you're going to get three booklets and a, and a free digital download of the uh, debunked ARC. Uh, you'll, we'll send you a link to that so that you can download it and, for free and have it. Um, but again, no pressure. If you want it, cool. And uh, man, I, I have never taken so many face plants in all my life. The one young lady, man, where, where are you? The one that was killing me last night, man. She was like, yeah, you are killing me. I was like, bam. I'm like, whoa, I am so happy right now that this is not a volleyball or I would be extremely embarrassed uh, and I wouldn't have a face this morning. So uh, who's doing the disc golf thing? Okay. All right. I might have to show up. Uh, Reasons for Hope, name of the ministry. And uh, guys, thank you. I, I've been super blessed to be with you. I hope, um, hope encouraging, starting good conversations with your families, because that's definitely my goal. Uh, I want to continue to ask you to pray for us. The bus was going to get back on the road in about a week now. Uh, we're going to get it from New York and start heading across to Pittsburgh. This is the whole map. We've gone all the way up to Dartmouth, and now we're going to head over to Pittsburgh, Chicago, Milwaukee, Grand Rapids, and then down to Cincinnati. So... We kicked off this whole tour, and I wanted to show you a little video out of Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a super blessed guy. Um, I met um, the band Casting Crowns years ago, and uh, they've become friends. And they, we kicked off the debunked at the Jacksonville, Florida thing. And I, I just got a little short video, kind of show it to you, to kick off this thing, just to pray for us. Music's fun, but songs don't change lives, only you do. God, we thank you for Jesus, the only name by heaven or earth, whereby we can be saved. You're the point, you're the reason we're here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Make it count, leave a mark, build a name for yourself. Dream your dreams, chase your heart above all else. Make a name the world remembers. But all in Cell is empty dreams. I got lost in the light, but it was up to me to make a name the world remembers. But Jesus is the only name to remember. And I Pretty cool to allow that you know to have them as friends, but then also to have them let us use the music and do that sort of a thing. Last week with the youth, uh, the band was actually up in. I mess it up every. What is it? No, it was before that. It was the day before that. Oh, uh, Albert Lee, Lee Albert, Albert Lee, Minnesota. So I, I was able to go up and just visit a little bit and had lunch with Brian, and then. Uh, this is how the Lord works sometimes, man. The, the conversation that we'd had over lunch was really, really good. And uh, as I was driving back, I'm looking at the questions because we did an afternoon session, voluntary session for the kids, which, by the way, if you think your uh, high school kids don't care, 
we had over 200 kids coming back, voluntary, 72 degrees, no humidity, beautiful blue skies, free time, and they're coming in the chapel to do a Q&A. Guys, you got a hungry generation. And so uh, I'm driving back, and I looked at the questions that we were having to answer that day, and it was exactly the conversation that I'd had with Brian. I mean, I was like, no. I mean, exactly. And so I called Brian. I said, Brian, we were halfway back down here. I said, man, I'm just looking at these questions that I'm going back to answer here, and our conversation, it's what you're dealing with, what you've experienced in your life. Can I FaceTime you in for these kids? Would you do that and just FaceTime in? He said, Carl, they just canceled sound check. I'll come down. So last Thursday, Brian came down, the drummer, the big hair, uh, flaming bush, I think is what his, like, his title is. But uh, he, uh, he came down last week and he, and he spoke to the kids and shared from his heart the things that he'd been going through that we're dealing with. How do I make God number one in my life? I'm so ashamed relationships have taken place of Jesus. And like, it was really, really good. So um, thank you guys for letting us be here. And uh, I don't like this note. Carl, great job of squinty ball last night, but your team got debunked. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> we love you, bro. Thank you, guys. I had a good time. Can I show you the, one of the latest debunks on suffering? This is one of the new ones, and this is the one that we kicked off at the uh, Cash and Crowns, uh, the, the, that tour. Because let's be honest, this is one of the tough issues. Now, maybe you're going through something right now. I know some of you are going through something right now. And understand what debunked is. Debunked is one approach to try to understand why we see what we see. It's not meant to be the emotional feel-good thing. You're going to hear in there the line, and this is what we do. It's debunked, not denice. And sometimes we just need bang. But that doesn't mean that we take away from the fact that, look, suffering is real. My father-in-law passed away a little bit over a year ago, and it's still very tender for my wife. It's still very tender for myself. He gave me my first picture of Jesus, a little tiny Japanese guy who spoke not a lick of English, and he gave me my first picture of English. So suffering is still real, okay? But uh, sometimes I think we just need why and how. And so this, that's what this attempt is, okay? Showing me grace? All right, here we go. A not-so-new claim is being regurgitated all across the globe these days, and it goes a little something like this. There's so much pain and suffering in the world, there can't be a good God. Well, let's dive in. But before we do, let me tell you, this is the fastest response to this claim known to man and is merely a plain, kind of logical, and no way comprehensive one hurled upon you sans emotion and utterly lacking gentility. This is debunked, after all, not denice. Okay, we're going to break this claim down in two parts and respond in rapidly rational rhetoric, rightly rendering reason right before your very eyes. Two little duck ducks all in a row. Let's knock them down. Duck numero one. A good God wouldn't allow pain and suffering. Really, why not? Seriously, what if the temporal nature of pain and suffering was actually necessary to accomplish a greater eternal thing? I mean, that's how the Apostle Paul understands it. Listen to his words. But we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. He continues with, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And he brings it home with this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So Paul realizes 
views, at least from a Christian perspective, that pain, suffering, and trials are real but temporary, necessary in preparing us for something greater, and not worth even comparing to the eternal life God grants us through Christ. Now, my pal Mr. Lewis, CS, not Jerry, wrote this, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to arouse a deaf world. A duck dose. If there is a God, he doesn't care about us. Otherwise, he wouldn't allow pain and suffering. Okay, here's a bit of history and context for clarity coming at you solo style on less than 12 parsecs. God creates a beautiful, good, sinless, and perfect universe for us to live and flourish in. We utterly destroy it by our own free will. Then we keep on committing horrible crimes against him and each other even though we know better. But he doesn't lop off our heads the minute we do something bad. He's patient with us and pursues us in love. Steps into time and space as the God-man, Jesus, gives his life for ours, takes on the punishment we deserve by dying on a cross, then conquers sin and death when he resurrects from the dead, allowing anyone who repents of their sins and places their trust in him to be redeemed, restored, renewed, and live in paradise with him forever, even though we don't deserve it. Now, does that sound like a God who doesn't care? I think not. Ah, that's fine and all, you say. But I can't see a good and morally sufficient reason why this particular bad thing happened to this person, so I don't believe there's a good God. So answer me this. What percentage of all there is to know do you know? And let's say you know 0.001%, which is pretty liberal considering you and all there is to know. The God described in the Bible knows 100% of all there is to know. Somewhere in that gaping chasm between the little you know and all that God knows, you're telling me there can't be a morally sufficient or good reason why God might allow something bad to happen? You're banking on the impossible chance that you know more than God. So you're telling me there's a chance. No, Lloyd. No chance. And I end with this because I want to. In Job 38 through 41, God asked Job, a man who went through untold sufferings but started questioning God's motive and character, a series of questions. Here's my faith. Can you bind the chains of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their role on earth? Paraphrase, I create stars and planets, bro. I establish all laws out of thin air that govern the universe. And you want to question me? Well, Job gets it and says this, Behold, I am of small account. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I have uttered what I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I don't know, but maybe this should be our position when it comes to questioning God about things we have little capacity to fully understand. It might be a bit wiser to do what the psalmist says and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Because honestly, when it comes to comparing our knowledge to God's, we don't know Jack. But we can know Jesus, the ultimate remedy for all pain and suffering and the one that will put an end to all evil. And that is that on that. This claim that there can't be a good God if there is pain and suffering, this faulty notion that God doesn't care about us, has been utterly debunked. Adios. So, remember, you can get all of them by just texting Stay Bold to 51555. They're all free. Uh, pray for us. Uh, you know, I shouldn't say they're free. I'm going to ask you if you take them, please pray for us. Even if you don't take them, pray for us, okay? We're trying to produce one a month for this next year. Over dinner last night, uh, gentlemen, uh, we were having a dinner. He said, you know, tell me a little bit more about the bus. I hadn't heard it. Here's the whole uh, concept of what we're trying to do in ministry. I'm doing this. I've got Juan that's out speaking to people. He's blown up in South America. Spanish is just, we can't even keep up with it. And then have two other speakers that are kind of part-time that can't do a whole lot, but they do some things. But it's not just talking to people. We want to do things. We want people to come out on the street with us. So that's why we got the bus. That was the whole premise. Churches that, hey, we're coming in. Let's bring the bus while we're there, by the way. Where do you want to go do some ministry? Where is it that you're trying to reach out? Do you have a community that you're trying to, you know, make aware of your church? Then let, give us your people. Let's teach them how to use these gospel bracelets. Let's go down, engage people in conversations, 
and you're just talking to people. What's this bus about? Because it draws people. Well, we're here, we're Christians, we're talking about Christians. Oh, man, God, there's no evidence for God. Really? Do you believe that? Can I show you a short video? It's only three and a half minutes long. They watch the video at the, the flat screen. Get done. So what do you think about that? Well, well, if there was a God, then who created God? Hey, I got a short video. Can I show it to you? Oh, the Bible is full of mistakes and errors. I got a short video. Can I show it to you? And that's the whole premise. So it's not like this aggressive, antagonistic fighting thing, okay? It's just a, let's go out and talk to people. So that's what the bus is. It's putting feet to what we're talking about. It's application. So that's why I ask you to pray for us. By the way, before I get running into the uh, good stuff, are there any parents that would allow me to interview you over the next day or so? Come see me. I wanna, I'm not going to remember your hands. But come see me. I want to interview you. I'd like to get your honest feedback, okay? We're good? That was lame. We good? Yeah. Thank you. Um, so today we're talking about what's the best evidence that God created. I don't want good evidence. I want the best evidence, all right? So let me have you some, read some scripture to me because I love hearing people read scripture. And here we go. Psalm. I love that verse. And I don't know about you, but man, even the last couple nights I've been out walking at, not, at dark and you get the, scar, the stars are screaming. The heavens declare the glory of God. The beauty, the order, the design that we see. Guys, I look at this and I'm like amazed. But guess what? We live in a world that they look at that exact same thing and they say, what? What's the big deal? There's nothing special about that. Time, chance, gas blowing up. There's nothing special about it. And whenever I hear somebody talk like that, that worldview, and it's everywhere, my mind immediately goes to another place. I am really happy to be with you guys. I mean that. Thank you for letting me come back. I know it took four years to forget about how bad it was the last time, but I really appreciate that they let me come back, okay? But when I hear that, my mind goes to another place, and there is one place on this planet that I would rather be right now. Anybody know? It's the beach. I love y'all, but I love the beach more. I'm not going to lie, okay? But I would hope you could be with me at the beach and with my wife. So here, my wife and I, we're at the beach, and we're, oh, I'm sorry. You go to the beach. We got to get our sunglasses on. And so now here we are. We're at the beach, and we're ready to have a great time. And we're walking along the beach one day, and we find this thing on the beach. And we're standing there. We're looking at this thing. It's like, wow, this is amazing. Look at this. Isn't this amazing? Oh, this is unbelievable. And then some old grumpy guy comes up to us. You know what I'm talking about? We all got them. They're usually like camp directors. You know, they're just. <laughs> He's not here, so I can take a shot at him. <laughs> they come up and they look at us and they're like, what? And we're like, what? 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 Can't you see the beauty? Can't you see the design? Can't you see the. What, are you guys new or something? Don't you understand? Every day, the tide comes in. The tide goes out. The wind, the rain, and it forms these things on the beach. Can I ask you an honest question? Is there anybody in here that believes honestly, genuinely, that given enough time, right circumstances, wind, rain, and tide could form this on the beach? Anybody? Thank you. Guys, you know just from looking at this that some intelligence was involved in the process of creating this. By the way, I do this with the young people especially because us mature folks were a little bit bound in ministry by our lack of imagination. I tell the young people, man... 
God has gifted you. I don't know what your gift is. If it's singing, would you sing for the Lord? If it's drawing, would you draw for the Lord? If it's carving sand, would you carve sand for the Lord? This guy goes out every week, makes a new sand carving to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get creative in ministry. We live in a world that is hungry and looking, and you have been given a gift. I don't know what it is. Find out what it is and use it for the Lord. You look at this sand carving. You know somebody made it. But guys, in the big scheme of things, this truly is nothing more than just a rearrangement of sand. Now, it's a cool rearrangement of sand. Don't get me wrong. Look in the mirror. Do you understand how amazing each and every one of you are? We are going to talk about the best evidence that God created. This man is amazingly creative, and he uses it, shares it, to, uh, uses it to share the gospel in creative ways. Be creative. So um, we're going to look at this, though. I look at Job, and Job says this. Look at the beast, look at the birds, look at the earth, look at the fish. Do you know what these things are going to tell you? They're going to tell you that the hand of the Lord has done this, so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go look around the world and see if I couldn't find the best evidence that God created. And the first thing I came up with was from New Zealand. And there's a young man here that... I had breakfast, a minute at breakfast, and he was like, oh, yeah, the Weta. Anybody ever hear the Weta other than that young man? No? Yeah, the Weta is, Weta is an amazing insect. It lives in New Zealand. There's over 100 species of Weta. Uh, they call it a living fossil. Do you know why? Forgive me. I'm going to have to get a little technical here. But uh, when they find a fossil Weta, you know, a Weta in the fossil record, guess what it was? Yeah, it was a Weta. Um, I didn't do the fossil talk for you, but actually that's what the fossil record shows is that humans have always been humans, apes have always been apes, and one thing has stayed, one thing and never changed from or into anything else. That's what the fossil record actually shows. And the Weta has always been a Weta. Uh, there's some neat ones, though, like this one. There's three species of this one, and they're kind of unique because they have that tusk like an elephant. And I think they're kind of cool. I like them, but not my favorite. Not my favorite, because there's another one that's even more amazing. And I, I really do love this. This is Wetapunga. I feel bad for him because his name, he's named after the god of bad looks. Yeah, this is the world's heaviest insect. Wetapunga is a big bug. This is not the kind of cricket that you come home and slap with the newspaper, because he takes the newspaper from you and hits you back with it, okay? This, <laughs> this is a big bug, Okay. So you don't, want, you don't want to step on this one. That's a lot of mess to clean up. You know what I'm saying? They weigh twice as much as a mouse. They are big bugs. They're not the largest insect. There's one that's actually larger, has larger legs, but they're the world's heaviest insect. And I think they're good, mighty good looking. I'd, lo I'd love to have one of those as a pet. I can tell you that right now. I think it'd be awesome. But he's not my favorite Weta because there's another one that has even more amazing gifts. This is the cave weta. Do you know what makes the cave weta so special? Guess where they live? Well, that's no fun. You heard about it. <laughs> but I bet you didn't know this. There's over 60 species of cave weta. They can jump over six feet. And let me show you the cave weta living in their natural habitat. And you're not impressed. That's a bunch of people saying that is a bug in a cave. Who cares? Oh, you should care. Here's what makes the cave weather so special. Um, what happens to caves in the wintertime at the top of mountains in New Zealand? They get cold. It's a sad story. There's no more cave weather. They're all dead because wintertime comes, 
The bugs freeze. They're done. They're frozen solid. No brain activity. No breathing. They're dead. All the cave wet are gone. What a sad story. Oh, so sad. Nope. Because three months later, when the sun comes out and the temperatures rise and the ice melts, guess what happens? Bug survives. Anybody care to explain to me how a bug can withstand being frozen solid for three months, no brain activity, no breathing, and survive? They have antifreeze in their blood so that when they freeze, that their body doesn't destroy. Because like you and I, we freeze a finger, we lose a finger. Because the crystals form in our blood destroy the tissue. They have antifreeze in their blood. Who put the antifreeze in their blood? And by the way, what happened to the first bug that didn't have the antifreeze and then he froze? No more bugs after that. See ya. Guys, the heavens declare the glory of God in a little bug. But can we have fun this morning? Well, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. Good. Because I want to get you engaged with me. And I'm going to ask you if it's the best evidence that God created. And then you guys respond with? No, no, no. That's not even close to the response that I need. You guys are still asleep, man. You got to wake up. We got to let the kids know, wow, the adults are up there. They sound like they're having fun. You ready? Is it the best evidence that God created? No, because if it was, I couldn't take you to Australia to show you my favorite lizard. I love the Moloch Hortus. He truly is my favorite lizard. Now, some people look at that and say, well, that's a horned toad. Have any of you ever seen a horned toad before? Yeah, I grew up in Texas, Oklahoma, off and on, and uh, we had pet horned toads. And this is not a horned toad, very different. Uh, here's the horned toad on your left-hand side. The body structure is different. The thorns are different. And ladies, because I care, we have to take a bunny trail, okay? I got to show you this. Horned toads are awesome. They're pretty good pets. I, like I said, I had them as a young man, and they're really neat. Here's, here's something that I, I don't know if you are aware of. They have a very unique defense mechanism. Think about it. Snakes are coming up to eat a horned toad. Watch what they do. Watch, watch the old horned toad. He goes Arnold Schwarzenegger. He turns sideways, puffs himself up. Don't mess with me. I'm big. But that doesn't scare the snake away. So watch what he does as the snake continues to come forward. He flips over on his back and plays dead. The snake won't eat what it didn't kill. So the snake, man, missed it by that much and goes away. Watch the old horn toad. Watch the old horn toad here. <laughs> snake goes away, horn toad flips back over, and away he goes. But, you know, that's pretty cool, but it won't work for a coyote. Because no coyote, they'll eat anything they can get their mouth on. So here comes a coyote. So in order to deal with a coyote, well, they had to have a different defense mechanism. So this is kind of a unique one. They, uh, there's no way to really explain this except to show it to you. They've got glands by their eyes. And what they do is they squirt blood. Watch. And they can squirt blood up to six feet. And... It has a nasty smelling chemical in it so that it drives the coyote away. Guys, huh? Can I get some bass here? Yeah, yeah. Ladies, though, ladies, I did that for you. I did, I did. Because I don't want you to go mess with an old horn toad because you might not like what happens. You think I'm joking? Um, 
the family that was talking with me over breakfast about the creation proclaims. Dr. Joe Martin, you guys ever hear Joe Martin? Love Joe Martin. Uh, Job is married to Miss Jenna D. And Miss Jenna D is like the epitome of a lady. You know, I, I, it doesn't matter what I dress, what, what I wear. I'm always looking kind of frumpy. Miss Jenna D is like a lady, you know? It's like the hair is always perfect. The clothes are always perfect. I'm like, how do you do that? I'm always frumpy. But uh, she came after hearing me talk. She came up to me after hearing me talk, and she said, Carl, they live in Rockwell, Texas. I walked outside. We had a horn toad in our front yard. I went up to look at it, and it shot me right in the face. <laughs> True story. So, ladies, don't mess with a horn toad. Okay, never mind. Let's get back to the Moloch. Here's Mr. Moloch. Lives in Western Australia. Lives in places where it doesn't rain for three to five years. You would think with a name like Moloch, Canaanite god of blood. Horde is horrible, mean, right? No, they don't squirt blood from their eyes either. They eat nothing but one species of ant. Now, this is an ant-eating machine, though. I'm going to tell you that. They eat three to 5,000 ants a day. I would love to have one of those guys around my house, <laughs> I'll tell you that. And they eat at 35 APM, ants per minute. Yeah. yeah. But it's only one species of ant. And I mean, Moloch, Canaanite got a blood, horde is horrible mean, right? No. They're just, just a tiny little lizard. Now, people love those thorns. Look at those thorns. Ooh, what a great defense mechanism. Yeah, it's a defense mechanism, but it's not their primary defense mechanism. Their primary defense mechanism actually is camouflage. These guys are really good with blending in. I mean, the, the oranges and the yellows and the browns. This is video, okay? See the ants moving around down here? They literally will freeze. And when they walk, even when they walk, they take a step and they'll freeze with their arms and the legs. And they, they kind of look like, you know, a branch blowing in the wind. They're really hard to find in the wild. So their camouflage is, or their defense mechanism, primary one, is blending in with their surroundings. And like I told you, they're just a tiny little lizard. They're not big. They're not vicious. But God, boy, do they have some crazy design features. Take a look at that bump on the back of the neck. That's really important. It's kind of like a camel's hump. It stores energy for the lean times because remember they live where it doesn't rain for three to five years? So that stores energy for the lean times. And then look at that long neck. Do we have anybody that's like a gymnast or really flexible? Anybody? Oh, could, would you stand up for me, please? Even both of you, go ahead. Here's what I need you to do. Take your head and stick it all the way up underneath your armpit for me, please. Can you, can you do that? <laughs> yeah. The Moloch can do it. And why does the Moloch do it? Because when a bird attacks a lizard, what do they do? They peck the head, they try to kill him, then they eat him. When a bird attacks a Moloch, he takes, see how long his neck is? He takes his head, tucks it up underneath of his arm, and then that bump sticks out, and they think it's the head, so the bird will peck on that bump. It doesn't hurt the lizard, and away he goes. They survive. Pretty cool. Now, those thorns are very cool, but look at the base of the thorn. Can you see those lines? Can you see those lines? Questions require responses. Can you see the lines? Oh, okay, good. Those lines are very important because those are grooves in the body of the Moloch. Okay, you're not impressed. Here, let me blow it up. Can you, can you see the thorns? Can you see the grooves? Those go over the entire body of the Moloch. Wow, this is a tough audience. You guys are looking at me saying, who cares? 
Well, the Moloch cares. Thank you very much. And here's why the Moloch cares. Because you see, in Namibia, there's a beetle that goes out and stands on his head every day for three hours. Why is that? Thank you for asking. If he didn't, he wouldn't be called a headstanding beetle. No. There's a much more important reason. He stands on his head at a very specific time. This is one of the driest places on the planet. So this beetle goes out, stands on his head at a very specific time. It's when the mist is coming in. And the mole, or I'm sorry, the uh, beetle catches that mist on his back. And then he has grooves in his carapace that run the water down to his mouth so he can get a drink of water. Now, I got a question for you. Who taught the beetle to go stand on his head for three hours of the day to get a drink? The heavens declare the glory of God. Because what happened to the first beetle that goes out and stands on his head in the afternoon? See ya. Right? And by the way, how do he pass on to his children? Now, son, let me tell you. You go stand on your head between 3 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock. Right? You think beetles talk like that? Not unless they're from Chicago, they don't. I'm just telling you, okay? What's that? Oh, by the way, this is their carapace. You see the grooves? And those grooves just so happen to run in the right direction to channel the water down to their mouth to get a drink. Oh, amazing stroke of luck. By the way, these things are so uniquely designed that scientists have been studying them and they have created the aquamat. People are now living in environments where they couldn't live before because they're trapping the water so they can survive there. California has made a big old, they, they, they put these nets out and they catch the morning dew and it funnels it down and they use the water now, reclaim water. Guys, this came from a little beetle. But the Moloch takes it to another level, <laughs> okay? The Moloch uses those thorns to catch the dew. The dew runs down the thorns to the grooves. They've got a pump in their throat. They work the water from anywhere in their body to get a drink. And what else is catching dew? The grass. Watch, as they walk under the grass, the thorns hit the grass, drop the dew on their body. They work the pump. They draw the water up to their mouth to survive. The heavens declare the glory of God in a little lizard. Now watch this. Watch this. See the water drop? You'll see it going from right to left. You'll see the water coming. See it? See the water coming? And by the way, this animal, if he finds damp sand, he goes, he stands in the damp sand, he works the pump, he draws the water up his leg to get a drink. The heavens declare the glory of God in a little lizard. Watch this. You'll see, you'll see the, uh, the, the water darkening. I keep trying to find this thing in HD. See it? See the water coming? He finds a puddle of water. He doesn't bend down and drink with his mouth. He stands in the water, works the water up his leg to get a drink. And that, my friends, happened by chance. Random chance processes over millions of years. What happened to the first Moloch that had the thorn, had the grooves, but he didn't have the pump? See ya. He had the pump. He had the grooves. He didn't have the thorns. See ya. Guys, all these pieces work together. The heavens declare the glory of God. And I love the Moloch, but is he the best evidence that God created? No, because if he was, I couldn't apologize to the ladies. I know the blood squirting thing was kind of cool, but no. Okay. Um, we got to go to Antarctica. Look at something cute. And the ladies, for whatever reason, seem to like the emperor penguin. They're kind of, okay, ooh, cute. Um, emperor penguins are amazing. 
Emperor penguins survive an extremely harsh environment by being totally unique. I think Christians need to learn from the emperor penguin. Think about it. They're the only penguin that lays one egg. They're the only penguin that allows close center contact. They're the only penguin that lays her egg just before winter when all the other penguins are maturing. Why? Because of where they live. Antarctica is not a nice place to try to raise a family. You with me? You think it gets cold here with your 32 below shutting uh, 35 down? Dude, that's nothing. That's summer, right? You get out here, this is crazy cold. And by the way, did you know that Antarctica was a desert? I didn't know that. I thought a desert had to be hot. Nope. Desert classification has nothing to do with temperature, has everything to do with the amount of rainfall. So this is cold and it's a desert. Here's a... I found this article, you know, the advertisement. 100 below zero, minus 150 wind chill. It could be worse. Yeah, right. About the only way it could be worse is if I was there. I mean, come on. 150 below zero, I am not going on vacation in Antarctica. You can keep that. But the penguins, they survive by being totally unique. They're the only penguin that lays the one egg. Why only one egg? You can't build a nest in all the ice. So what do they do? They hold the egg on their feet. Can't hold two eggs. Can only hold one egg. They hold that egg. They have special blood vessels in their feet. And that flap of skin there, it's kind of like mine, but it has a purpose. It lays. <laughs> oh, so now you laugh. Okay. It lays over the top of the egg, and they keep that egg warm. So that's why they only lay the one egg. Now, now why lay the egg just before winter? Because... Oh, we're going to get to it. How about this? What about the close inner contact? Oh, that's important. How are you going to survive 150 below zero? If you're like all the other penguins fighting to keep everybody away from you, you're going to freeze to death. They work together. They get in a big old huddle. They keep each other warm. Now, now this is a problem because I want you to think about it. What happened to the poor boy that showed up last? He's on the outside, 150 below zero. Eventually, you'd freeze them all off. No, you see how they're moving? It's a corkscrew pattern. Everybody takes their turn on the outside. Everybody gets their turn on the inside. They work together to survive the worst weather on our planet. Do you have three churches in your hometown that can work together to... Sorry? We won't go there. Guys, these guys work together to survive. Now... Mama lays the egg, she gives it to daddy. She goes fishing for three months. That's not right. I'm just going to tell you. She's gone for three months. Daddy sits there, worst weather on our planet, egg on his feet, huddling up with each other, keeping each other warm, and mama's fishing. Now, gentlemen, are you with me on this? We go fishing. Mama stays home with the egg, Right? Oh, gentlemen, you better not go with me on that one, Ron. You're at family camp, brother. It's not going to be nice. <laughs> and I shouldn't say that either. My wife is with me. Usually I can get away with that because she doesn't hear me say that. But, guys, that's the way it works. She uses so much energy to make that one egg, she's got to go feed for three months to replenish all the energy. So dad sits there, worst weather on our planet, no sun, three months. Egg hatches. Mama has to come back the exact same day or within seven days. If she doesn't get home within seven days, baby's dead because daddy has been on a 90-day fast. I know I need to lose weight. You don't have to tell me. And it's like, okay, um, I've heard of the Atkins diet, the 
Cro-Magnon diet, the South Beach diet. I'm not doing the penguin diet. 90-day fast? They, learn, they lose a third of their body weight. So mama's got to get back the exact same day that that baby hatches. Now, we have a problem because when mama left to go from the nest to the ocean, it was anywhere from 20 to 40 miles. But in wintertime, Antarctic doubles in size, in size. So now mama's got to come back to the nest over 40 to 80 miles, half of which wasn't there when she left. How does she know where to go? I mean, go to the snowbank, hang a right. It's all snow and ice. How does she know where to go? I mean, do, 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 do they have like next tell, push to talk, hey, hon, it's time to come home? And, and then she has a GPS system to navigate? Yes, she does. It's called God's protective system. And she will crawl on her belly at 40 to 60 miles, and she gets home the exact same day or within seven days of that baby hatching. Now, that's great, but we still have a problem. We have to transfer the baby from daddy to mama within two minutes. If you don't, the baby is dead because it's so cold. Guys, this is a harsh environment. Now, girls are always oohing and on about baby penguins and how cute they are, but I've got something cuter coming, okay? I've got something cuter coming, and it's not this next picture. How many of you in here have a good friend? Some of you had to think about that. <laughs> Guys, I have a good friend. I was feeling so discouraged. No, no, not this picture. No. Those are cats. I'm a dog guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And ladies, do you know why I like dogs? Because dogs are nice. Dogs are nice. Cats Cats are just bullies. All they want to do is fight. It's always like fighting. You know, like, gotta fight. You know, always gotta fight. And it's not just with dogs. They fight with each other. They're just fighters. Now, dogs, let me show you why. This is a perfect picture. Old cats getting all puffed up, gonna fight over some food. Watch the dog. This is the way dogs act. Comes out. Picks him up, takes him back in the house. Quit fighting about food. <laughs> That's why I like dogs. I think dogs just need to rise up and just get, just get rid of this whole cat thing. <laughs> but anyway, my good friend, he looked at me and he said, Carl, you look just like a baby penguin. <laughs> I said, That's a good man right there, man. It must be because I'm cute, right? I don't know about that. But I know this. Penguins are amazing. They can dive over 1,500 feet underwater. They can stay underwater for more than 18 minutes. They're amazing. But are they the best evidence that God created? Because if they were, I couldn't take you to Africa and show you like one of my all-time favorite animals, the hippopotamus. I'm going to do just a brief thing on the hippopotamus because... I love the hippopotamus. Do you know what the name hippopotamus means? What is it? Water cow, river horse. It's because they spend 16 hours a day in the water. They can stay underwater. They can hold their breath for five minutes. They literally can sleep underwater, and they have an automatic reflex when they need to breathe. Well, their body is designed to just 
their head goes up. They don't even wake up. Their head goes up, boom, back down. I mean, hippos are amazing, but there's only one feature just for time that I wanted to show you this morning, their skin. Did you know, do you know how thick a hippo's skin is? It's crazy. It's up to an inch thick. Watch this, all right? This is an animal autopsy. Okay, it's a dead hippo. No hippos were hurt in doing this. It was already dead, all right? So take a look. That white portion that you see there is not fat. That's skin. That's their epidermis. Now, why in the world would a hippo have one-inch thick skin? We think of hippos as being fun and cute, right? Oh, cute hippo. Do you know that hippos are actually pretty nasty? What is the number one animal killer of humans in Africa? Wait for it. Um, some of you have seen the Fast Facts out there and some people talked with me about it. Here's the whole premise of the Fast Facts videos and the book. I wanted parents and grandparents to sit down, preferably me, over a meal, and you show your child a minute and a half video, because that's, that's all the longer those videos are. You show them the video, and then you have a conversation with them. Here's the questions. The answers are in there for you. There's a coloring sheet in there for you to engage in conversation. There's four animals, six videos. I want you just to see one of the fast fact videos so that you get the idea of what it's about. You don't have to have the book. If you do get the book, the DVD will come with it if you want. And, you know, the suggested donation is back there. But this is, the, this is our approach. This is what I'm trying to do to get families to just kind of talk with each other. Welcome to Fast Facts with Reasons for Hope. I'm Carl Kirby, and we're talking about the hippopotamus. Hippos are cute, right? Well, no matter how funny a hippo may look, they're actually very dangerous. They're territorial and they fight to protect their area as well as their status. In Africa, they kill about 2,900 humans every year. That's more than any other animal other than the mighty mosquito. Yes, you heard that correctly. But we're talking about the hippo skin, remember? It's thick for a reason. Look at those teeth. They're as sharp as razors, and remember, they don't play very nice with each other. If the skin wasn't as thick as it is, when they bite each other, they would do serious damage. So the thickness actually protects the muscles from damage. As a matter of fact, their skin is so thick that they can survive attack by lions. There's one more amazing fact about that skin. But our time's up, so we'll have to talk about that in the next Fast Facts with Reasons for Hope. Until then, stay bold. So you watch the video, and then you just have that 10-minute conversation with your child. You're not, like, overwhelming them with anything. And by the way, all this stuff that I'm doing, another reason I do this talk is because I want to give you an example. You have a zoo in Des Moines, right? Do, do they have animals in it? Learn some information about it. Start leading tours through the zoo in Des Moines from a biblical perspective. I use, look, Brookfield Zoo, Chicago, I take people through tours on there. You can do this. This is a ministry. This is a viable ministry that you can take people out and just, here's what the world says. If they have signage up there, praise God. I love the secular signage because I want them to teach, then I want to teach. Here's what the world says, but here's what the Word of God says. Here's what we actually see. Which one makes the most sense? Make an informed decision. I don't run and hide from this stuff, okay? So uh, use it like that. But here's that other thing. I, I, I just wanted you to know this. The other, oh, well, I'll show that real quick. Here's what I mean. The questions are in there. 
then the answers are in there, and then there's a coloring sheet in there so that if you have somebody like me, I've got to be doing something with my hands when somebody's talking to me or I'm out of here, okay? So th th there's the teeth. Look at this. i got to share this with you. You see their skin? It's all tore up. They're fighting all the time. If you and I get a cut and we go in dirty, nasty water, and I'm not saying that Clear Lake is dirty, nasty water, but if it was dirty, nasty water and you went in with a cut, what's going to happen? You're going to get an infection. Why don't the hippos all die from infections? Because they're all cutting each other up. Lions attacking them. Why don't they get infections and die? It's an amazing stroke of luck. You're never going to believe this. But over millions of years, what happened was this, is that inside the skin, there's tiny glands that secrete a clear substance until it hits the air. You see all those dots on there? That's called blood sweat. Well, they call it blood sweat, but it's not blood and it's not sweat. That, that tiny gland secretes that clear substance, it hits the air, it turns red, then it drips down the body, falls into the cuts. It's an antiseptic sunblock. A hippo sweats an antiseptic sunblock? Yeah. Let's go to the local CVS pharmacy. Can we buy an antiseptic sunblock? We don't even make one. But the hippo sweats one because of millions of years of random chance processes. Guys, the heavens declare the glory of God in a hippo. So that's just a couple nuggets for you on that. But uh, I'm not going to go there too long because time. I'll just ask you, no matter how much I like a hippo, are they the best evidence that God created? Nope. And that's because if they were, let's go here. Let's go here. Right here. I'm skipping some animals. I already told you. The heavens declare the glory of God. The beauty, the order, the design that we see. Guys, do you know how many observable stars there are in the sky? And, I, and I'm, not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about the total number of stars because that's a really big number. I'm talking about the ones we can see using the greatest technology that we have today. The total number of stars that we can see using the greatest telescopes on the planet is? What's that? Immense. immense. It is immense. Anybody got a number they want to throw out there? How many? 59 million. Anybody else? I got 59 million. I got 59 million. I got 59 million. Infinity and beyond. Over a billion? Is that what you said? You're right. It is over a billion. It's actually 76 trillion. That's a seven followed by 22 zeros. Okay, here's my peanut brain. Who invented counting that high? <laughs> right? Let's go back in the day. Carl, your job is to invent counting. Okay. Um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20. That's it. We don't need any numbers bigger than 20. How many people you got here today, 20? You got a seven followed by 22 zeros? Who invented that? Do you know how big that number is? Guys, that number is greater than every grain of sand on every beach and desert on our planet. There are more stars than grains of sand on this entire planet? And you're not impressed. You're killing me. You shouldn't be impressed because it's actually 10 times more stars than grains of sand. And by the way, there is no known 
mechanism to create a single star from naturalistic processes. There's no known mechanism. Oh, the gas blew up and formed all the stars. Where'd the gas come from? I'll give you all the gas you want. Blow it up. You're going to make a star? You're going to make a mess. <laughs> Guys, there's no known mechanism to make a single star naturalistic processes, and there's 76 trillion observable stars? Please let me, uh, let me just illustrate that number for you. Play along. I'm almost done. Imagine that you've got a grain of sand in your fingers. Come on. Roll it around. Roll it around. All right? You got it? Hold that grain of sand out at arm's length. Use your imagination. How much outer space would a single grain of sand held at arm's length, how much outer space would it cover up? You can put your arms down. Would it cover up very much? Very tiny, right? NASA took a picture of that much outer space. And do you know what they found underneath a single grain of sand held at arm's length? 1,500 stars under a grain of sand. We don't know how to make a single star. And you're not impressed. You shouldn't be. It's 1,500 galaxies under a grain of sand held at arm's length. A galaxy is a minimum of a million stars and can be as high as 600 trillion stars in a single galaxy. When God said the heavens declare the glory of God, he meant it. But guys, the total number of stars, including the ones that we cannot see, somebody said it. Some people think it is what? I couldn't hear you. <laughs> guys, this is a secular quote. And when I read that quote, I'm telling you right now, I almost went charismatic. I did. I almost went, Amen. That's charismatic to me. <laughs> you see me raising a hand in church, I'm swatting a fly, brother, because that is not what you do. When you go to church, you sit there, you watch, and you are allowed to blink every 15 seconds. <laughs> that was 11. That's the way I was raised, man. All right? So the amen. That's charismatic to me, but I got to tell you, amen, because it takes an infinite God to create an infinite number of stars to speak them into existence from nothing, and by the way, he knows them all by name. Christian, do you understand that? That this God who created everything, spoke it into existence from nothing, says that he knows you more intimately than any person ever could. He knows you at your core. He knows who you are when nobody's around, and he still loves us. Guys, I'm bad. I am a sinner saved by grace through faith in Christ. No one knows how bad I am at my core. And he loved me enough to die for me while I was spitting on him? No, there's nothing we can do to deserve that. That's the God that we serve. I'm reading the scripture, though, and this caught me off guard. I'm not trying to be flippant with the word. And God made two great lights, a greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and he made the stars also. I want you to think about this. I look at the heavens, and I'm like, whoa, heavens declare the glory of God. Wow. God looks at him and says, I made this, I made this, I made them. I made them. It's no, like no big deal. You know why? They're not the best evidence that God created. There's something that's even more amazing that we take for granted. Look in a mirror. Do you understand? Every person in this room, every person on this planet, you are created in the image of God. 
You were literally knit together in your mother's womb. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. From the point of conception, you could never be anything but a human being. Don't let the world lie to you. This process is beyond anything that we could ever imagine. And you think that could just happen? That something dead can transform itself into something that is alive? There's no, there's no known mechanism for anything like that to happen. Your body is made up of 650, or I'm sorry, 206 bones, and I've got to ask you, 650 muscles, 206 bones. Anybody ever broke a bone before? What happened? It healed back, right? Guys, we can't make anything that does that. Your, your, your muscles, I mean, I love this. 17 make you smile, 40 make you frown. You know the more you use the muscles in your face, the more you're going to get crinkles and everything. So if you don't want all those crinkles on your face, quit frowning. Smile. Your heart's going to beat an average of 3 billion times in your lifetime. We can't make a pump that can withstand 3 billion beats. Over 1,500 miles of airways in your lungs. Oh, you want to talk about the lungs? I do. Think about this for a second. This is a, so awesome. Do you know how cool mucus is? <laughs> Guys, mucus is awesome. You're not alive if you don't have mucus, at least not as long as you can live. Why? Anybody ever drive a car? Got a car. All right, anybody? Oh, how amazing. Inside your car, you have an air filter, right? Why do you need the air filter? Because these particles are getting sucked into the engine, and if those particles get in the engine, it's going to destroy the engine quicker Guess what? Your mucus is your air filter. Because we're breathing in and we're getting those nasty particles, and if they were getting into our lungs, it would destroy our lungs and we wouldn't live as long as we live. So here's what happens. The mucus catches the, the particles. Yes! That's awesome! But we're all dead. Because the mucus is heavy and we can't get it out of our lungs. You can cough and you can't get it out of your lungs. How do you get it out of your lungs? Ah, oh, we're dead. No, we're here. Here's what happened. Our lungs, it's unbelievable, just so happened to produce these little tiny hair in our lungs. And those little tiny hair called cilia just so happened to all beat in the right direction, in sequence. Because if they were doing this, mucus is just going to sit down there, we're all dead. But they all beat up in sequence to push the mucus up so we can change our air filter. But we're all dead. Because the mucus is too heavy and the cilia can't move it. So sad. No. Because our lungs just so happen to produce a water layer on the inside of our lungs that just so happens to go just to the point that the tip of the cilia breaks the water level. Oh, the mucus just so happens to, be, uh, to float on water. So the bottom of the mucus is hit by the cilia drives it up so we can change our air filter. Guys, <laughs> your body, I mean, I wish I could talk to you about the brain. I can't do anything on the brain. Most complex structure in the known universe, according to the non-Christian. Your heart that's gonna beat three billion times in your lifetime, has valves that can withstand three billion beats. Man, can we make anything like that? Nope, nope. Your eye, I don't care how bored you are right now. The fact that you can see and hear this presentation is a gift from God. In order to see, your eyes twitch, hear me, 30 to 70 times a second. 
You have tiny muscles attached to your eye that twitch your eyes 30 to 70 times a second because if your eyes don't twitch, you don't see anything that's not moving. It would just disappear. Do you have to tell your eyes to twitch? Twitch, 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 twitch. You couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. Guys, do me a favor. Read this for me. You just gave me one of the strongest arguments against given enough time, right circumstances, everything just happened. Language. Where does language come from? Language requires intelligence. If you see language, intelligence is involved. You can pour ink on paper for a billion years. Will you ever write a single word? A sentence? Much less a book. If any of you have tried to read my book, you might think, that's how he wrote it. No, there was an attempt at intelligence. The fact that you see intelligence there tells you that there is no way, I don't care how much time, how much water, how much anything you give it, when language is involved, intelligence is involved, well, guess what? Look inside the human body. A single strand of DNA, stretch it out six feet, one of the most complex languages on the planet. Please do not call it a simple cell. They are no longer called simple cell. Because our cell, a single cell inside of your body, is more complex than any city on this planet. I don't care how technologically advanced they are. You take a single cell, expand it to the size of any city, and what takes place inside of a single cell inside of your body, we can't duplicate. We can't duplicate it. Do you know how much information is inside of a single cell in your body? Have you ever heard of the Encyclopedia Britannica? Every one of your cells has all of the information from the Encyclopedia Britannica in it, three or four sets. That's how much information is inside of a single cell. Your body is comprised of 60,000 billion cells. Anybody wants to tell you <laughs> that you're not special? You're amazing. But you're not the best evidence that God created. There's something that's even better. And we take it for granted. The best evidence that God created is something that's all around us, and we just take it for granted. It's the Word of God. When God said that needs to become the rallying cry of every Christian, God said that in the beginning God created. Guess what? You can trust that more than a bird, a fish, a lizard, all these cool things. You can trust his word better than that. But let me warn you, you can use good things the wrong way. Is it working? Would you want to be on it in a storm? Why is it then that 50 to 88% of the young people raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18? 50 to 88% of the young people raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. How can that be? I'm suggesting to you that unfortunately what we've done too many times is we've taught them to use the word of God the wrong way. They've been taught it's just a good book, spiritual and moral, Good moral stories, Bible stories. The Bible is not a storybook. It's a historical account from the only one who's always been there, who knows what happened, who told us what happened, and you can trust them. Start teaching application. Use this information. Go to zoos. Watch Animal Planet. Just turn the audio down. I'm telling you, when you have this information, the world becomes your classroom. The museums become your classroom. The zoos become your classroom. Aquariums become your classroom. And it's amazing. I love taking people to those places. Look at this, look at this, look at this. This is what they say. This is what the Word of God says. Which one is it consistent with? It's just an idea for you. 
Father, I give it to you. I hope that, Lord, you are glorified through our obedience. I pray for these families because they are under attack now more than I think any time in the past. Satan is busy. I think he knows that the end is near, and so he is going to do everything that he can to mess things up. So, God, don't let us be deceived. Help us to stay bold. Not a mean-spirited boldness, but a boldness in your word. Help us to learn how to use your word in the real world. We're going to give you the glory, the honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you.